This year is the fifth annual Philadelphia Podcast Festival, and I could not be happier to be bringing Everything Is Awesome back for the second year in a row. That's right, Everything Is Awesome Late Night comes back to the Philadelphia Podcast Fest at Tattooed Moms on Sunday, July 16th from 2 to 3 p.m., and it's going to be so much fun. We have Noah Houlihan on hand to talk about Plus Two Comedy, Game the Gamer. We have Brian Durkin to bring the funny. He's going to tell some jokes. We're going to talk podcasting, full belly laughs, and much, much more. Mike and I will be on hand to talk many things, play games. It's going to be just so much fun. Make sure you make your way out to the 5th Annual Philadelphia Podcast Festival, especially from 2 to 3 at Tattooed Moms, so you can see Everything is Awesome Late Night Live. Everything is Awesome is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Check out some of our other shows, like TV Ain't My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelin' Friends, and Podstalgic at courtsandparts.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. Uh, This week's guest, I actually can't remember, uh, and this just might be me being a terrible host, but I can't remember the last time we actually sat down and spoke with an author, so I'm pretty excited uh, to sit down and speak to uh, another author. We haven't done that in quite some time. Actually, our guest this week is a uh, children's, well, at least the book we're talking about today is a children's author, children's book, uh, which would probably be our second children's author uh, in the history of this show. So pretty exciting, especially uh, now that I do podcasting as a dad. Uh, it's it's uh, new and exciting territories uh, in the podcasting world for me. So please welcome to the show the author of Pacha's Pajamas. Dave Room. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Kev. I'm really happy to be on the show. Yeah, uh, thanks for being on. It's, um, it, like I said, it's, uh, we don't talk to too many authors, uh, which is odd because, like, that used to be my bread and butter, I would say, in, like, season one of this show. Uh, it's been quite some time, so I'm excited to, um, and, and especially this, uh, this book, you know, I told you, and, and, as I t- as my audience know, I do very little preps, but you gave me some four one one ahead of time, and and you gave me a, I think you you may be one of the guys that gave me a lot of four one one, and I was like, well, I, you know what, this is enough. Uh, I'll look at everything else after the interview so that uh, I'm not too uh, knowledgeable about what's talking on. But you have something unique going on with with your book, uh, correct? Yeah, well, it's an augmented reality book. You put an app over the illustrations in the book, and the characters appear to pop off the page in animations featuring some celebrities like Most Def, Talib Kweli, and Cheech Marin. Now, this is um, augmented reality is relatively a new uh, technology. It's kind of like in the grand scheme of things, it's in its infancy, correct? Yeah, absolutely, but it's. The, interest, the interesting thing or the fascinating thing to me is that it's been around for a, 
a fairly long time, but people just didn't recognize it. Think about weather reports. Mm -hmm. You have uh, the the picture of the actual uh, weatherscape, and then they they put arrows over it to show what direction the wind is going, etc. That's all augmented reality. And then the other thing is with the with the football and some of the other sports shows. On football, you have the ten yard line. It's and you see that it's a yellow line. It's yeah. digital. That's not a real line there. That's augmented reality as well. But now that we is. Suppose. That is, uh, yeah, that's totally an interesting way to put it. I, cause I, I would say my earliest experience, I mean, I guess my earliest experience with augmented reality then is football and weather, <laughs> but, um, I guess as, I don't even know if they called it augmented reality, but I know the 3DS, uh, Nintendo 3DS had something where you would like scan a card and then you would shoot things in your living room or whatever room you were in. Um, and that was like my first experience, uh, as like, I guess a gamer or some, some form of entertainment. Um, and I guess when it was actually called or first called augmented reality, uh, and it's something that I've seen more and more. Um, I want to say, you know, uh, children's, and, and not that all comic books are for children, but like comic books and uh, and now I guess in children's book, I've seen them uh, utilize that technology. Yeah, it's it's coming along. I, I'm not totally sure who's doing it in the comic book world, but there's definitely a, a handful or even maybe even a dozen different uh, organizations, companies that are creating children's books. The unique thing about ours is our book is actually a young reader book, so it's for 7 to 12-year-olds. Almost all the other augmented reality books that I'm aware of are for younger kids. There are a couple, uh, I think Carlton and Penguin both have done mm -hmm. some for older kids as well, but ours is relatively unique in that the augmented reality is really narrative-driven, and it's it's not there for the sake of the technology. The technology is really there for the sake of the story with respect to our book. So uh, we'll get back to the book and augmented reality uh, in a little bit. I, I kind of like to always get into like the origin story of my guest. And, and um, you kind of have, I guess, like two points that I want to hit on uh, with the technology as well as the writing. But where did uh, wh where does the love of writing kind of enter your life at, as, as a kid uh, later in life or, or where? I've always been into writing to a certain extent but it's never been something cons consistent mm -hmm. so I can go back and find a bunch of journals that I might have had for a couple years and I find poetry spoken word um, I find some short stories that I used to write I, I used to write a lot into notebooks so writing has always been something really helpful for me I just and now at the point where I've decided that this is something that I'm going to really focus on. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's something I've been good at, but just there's always been all these other interests. And now I'm saying, oh, well, I'm, I'm really going to make a go at this. Oh, God, that is the story of my life to a T. Because I would say, like, I, I, I think my interest of, for writing itself kind of, um, peaked within the last couple years, uh, but, but it's always like I, you know, it's something that my friend, uh, I, we have a friend of the show, 
who is a fantasy writer and um you know i worked with him for a bit like 10 years ago uh on his series and then it was something that i never took seriously until kind of recently but it's like you know, I also, I, I love podcasting obviously is, is my big thing. So like all these other projects kind of have gotten my, in my way. Was there any big projects that you, that, that you were working on that got in your way or just kind of life in general? I'd say it was life in general. And at the same time, there were a couple projects that really uh, took all my attention. So mm-hmm. I had to give up on the writing. Mm-hmm. And, and one of those was starting a, a nonprofit. It was called Bay Localized, and it was all about helping communities become more resilient by generating their own electricity, growing oh, their nice. own food, uh, gathering, capturing their own water, creating their own businesses within the community to serve the community. And that was really a, a very much all-encompassing thing. I found trying to organize with adults to be – very uh, challenging and and, <laughs> and uh, time consuming. Yeah. After a while of that, I decided, you know what, I want to focus in on young people, and I want to move over from being a nonprofit to being a, a for profit social enterprise. I was really getting tired of of this feast and famine cycle that you have with grants mm. and nonprofits, where you. You, you have to do a, do a grant proposal. You kind of fit your idea into something that someone else, the, the foundation, is wanting. And then you wait six to eight months to find out if you even got it. And that, that just was a, a, a challenging process for me. And I, I felt like, oh, well, let me, let me just switch up and, and move into to the social enterprise world and focus on kids. Yeah. I, I mean, I – even I praise anyone that even attempts to do anything that's not for profit and, and, and is doing something good in the world because I would never have the energy to even attempt to do it because I, it's, it's just, I mean, based off what you just said, I wanted to, I, you know, I just, I want to close my eyes and go to bed and not have to deal with anything like that. Uh, it is, you know, for me, it's more like if I, like I'll pair up, I'll affiliate myself with other people that are dedicated to figuring out, how to help people, uh, and I'll just spread their good word, is is the way I do things. Yeah, well, you know the the nonprofit world is is really interesting because it's funded by these people who've made a tremendous amount of money, and in many cases, probably the companies that they that have allowed them to make the money are actually causing a lot of damage. Huh. And then, <laughs> and then they, they give the money to the foundation so that the fa- the foundation can actually correct some of the damage they're doing. <laughs> now, you know, that's an interesting spin. I, you know, I never look at it that way. Um, uh, and I will continue to probably kind of turn a blind eye to that and still help organizations out. Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, the, at least some of the ones that, that you know, I don't know, I, I find that. I do my research, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but I do want to touch on, um, you know, so so it sounds recently you've kind of turned your passion for writing uh, into, uh, you know, like your your pet project, your your main focus. How did augmented reality um, kind of get into your writing? Well, about four years ago. A developer who was a friend of a friend was showing us his latest project. 
it happened to be augmented reality with a book. It wasn't a book that I was interested in, but I was really interested in, in how they brought that book to life. And I immediately saw how it could be extremely powerful in the context of the story that we were working on and how it would help get kids really excited about reading books. Yeah, it's because I would say that as you know, we get all this technology in our fingertips, it's um, harder and harder to uh, maybe keep a kid's attention with with books. It's I don't know. I, I have two children myself, and I, and you know, I'm I'm lucky enough to kind of just remember where I like I like holding a physical book, so I'm not into like the Kindle or whatever. Um, and so like my kids have huge libraries. So I'm very lucky that they're, they're super interested in books. They of course love their technology as well, but that's something that we try to like limit and whatnot. I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't want my kids in, in a, in an iPad 24 seven, you know? Yeah. Um, so is, is, uh, is, I would imagine because it's the, the augmented reality actually needs the physical book. Uh, there's no, like, there's no way to have an ebook with augmented reality. Correct. Correct. I mean, technically you could use the Kindle e-reader, um, to view the illustrations in the book and then put a phone or a tablet over the e-reader, the Kindle reader, and that would work. But for us, that's not the use case that we're most interested. We're really interested in the use case where the kid is reading the physical book. They come up to an image. They they basically scan the image with with our app, and it brings the image to life. So that scene goes. The scene depicted by that illustration may last between five and fifteen seconds. We actually had a design imperative where we said ninety five percent of the images, the augmented reality image graphics, excuse me, excuse me, the augmented reality videos, ninety five percent of those should be less than fifteen seconds because we want the augmented reality to be the treat, the dessert, the main course is really the reading. All right, yeah, because I was gonna, I was gonna say like, how did um, writing the book when when you knew you were going to implement augmented reality, did that change how you were writing the book at all? It didn't change how we were writing the books, but it changed uh, the illustrations that we decided to portray in, in in the book in the story. It it led us to pick certain illustrations over other ones. It it led us to put the characters in certain poses because we wanted to have the the video, the augmented reality, take off from certain points. Uh, so it definitely infer- informed more more of the the visual aspect of the book. So so the so, so the augmented reality portions, as you said, are, are about you know no more than fifteen seconds. Do they? Uh, and this might be just my ignorance to augmented reality, but do they kind of tell their own little short stories within your within this book, or it just complements the story that you're already telling? It complements the story we're already telling. In some cases, it, it presents a little bit of extra information, um, something that you might have not have noticed through the reading of the book. 
but in 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 all cases it's it's very much tied to the book it's not taking you on to um, a whole nother storyline or anything of that sort and the reason we did that is that studies show if you tie the multimedia or augmented reality to the story you actually can increase reading comprehension and also expressive vocabulary, which is the, the reader's ability to, to speak about what they're actually reading. Well, and that like uh, it, it ties into like, you know, for me when I'm I guess even when I'm reading something, uh, whether it be, you know, a news article or a short story or a, a full length novel or, you know, watching a television show or movie, I love to kind of, I guess, if I like, I love to find all the extra information uh, that kind of you know helps uh, supplement what I whatever I'm already intaking because I, I just like to be um, I like to have as much information on, on something as possible whenever I'm really into it uh, and this sounds like it's a kind of a cool way I think I've been like that since I was a kid like I always loved cert like if I if I found something that I really enjoyed I would I guess back in the day look in like an encyclopedia or something I you know to find more information about it. So this kind of, uh, you know, would pr- be like kind of a dream thing for me as a kid because um, it is, uh, you know, that's just that extra bit, like, you know, taking the extra bite of the cake, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally. I see books in the future, assuming that, that, that augmented reality in books becomes more popular, which I totally believe is going to happen. I think there's going to be some resistance from publishers because – adding in the augmented reality is going to cost more. The cost Mm -hmm. of doing an augmented reality book is more than it costs to do a regular book. But at the same time, the, the value, the increased value that you can provide is, is mind blowing. And and I'm seeing books in the future becoming what I would call a, a basically a curated and guided pathway through the, relevant universe of multimedia uh, interactions potentially with other people and virtual reality experiences. Uh, that's that. So that's interesting. I, the, cause I, I've always um, been of the mindset uh, that it seems like, you know, the world's quickly getting away from, from printed material um, with, you know, the death of newspapers and, and the, the, the rise of e-readers, but augmented reality seems like at least for children's books, uh, I don't know how it would work with adult uh, books, if it could even work with adult books, but with, with children's books, it seems like it's a great way to help kind of preserve that print. Uh you know, because and I mean, as we said, you can use an e-reader. That just seems too cumbersome to have a tablet and a phone. All like that seems like way too much work for me. Yeah, uh, that's too much. But, yeah, but as I mean, I, I I'm just picturing it myself as a kid, like holding a book and holding my phone on top of it. That seems like it's not too. I mean, practically, kids are born with phones coming out of the womb now. So like, I it doesn't seem like it's that far fetched for them to read and hold a phone to, to see this augmented reality. How, so, cause I know obviously it's cheaper to just have an ebook. So is, does it cost more because they have to, you're kind of forced to print the book or does it cost more because you develop the app or does it cost more because like you actually have to do something different with the book itself? 
it costs more because you not only have to develop the app, but then you have to develop all the multimedia assets that go oh, yeah. along with it. Like, so those, those are videos or animations. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, in some situations, those assets already exist, in which case the, the, the cost may not be that much additional to create the augmented reality book. For example, let's say it's a, it's a book about a character for which there's already an animated movie. Maybe mm-hmm. they could just leverage the the video that they've already done for that anim- animated movie, put it in the augmented reality book, and you basically have one for relatively low cost. Uh, I mean, that totally seems like it would work for like anything really Disney or DreamWorks related or anything. Any animated movie seems like they always have some sort. Like my my daughter who's three, she has. Uh, and I guess my son, when he was younger, has all these like, I don't know, five, six page books that are Disney Frozen or Mickey Mouse or whatever. Uh, and it seems like that would be a nice cheap way for Disney to get into the augmented world because you can just pull from those Frozen movies or whatever. All the kids want to see are little clips of that same movie over and over again. Totally, totally. And I will say that I see this technology working for a wide variety of books. I just want to throw out a couple out there. Imagine a textbook. It's a physics textbook. Mm -hmm. And you're in the section where it's describing atoms, for example. And you, in the normal physics textbook, you have a static image of an atom that shows the the electrons and the, the neutrons and the protons. Imagine how, I mean, the photons. Imagine how much more instructive that would be if you could see a video. You could see the video of how the electrons, the protons, and the neutrons are all interacting. You would get a greater sense of it. You just, I think, uh, blew my mind. (laughs) Because that is, I think, a genius. Even if you don't expect students to use their own technology to to access this augmented reality, as a teacher, uh, and I'm just kind of throwing this out there because I am not a teacher, but I can, you know, if through the use of technology and, and a projector and, and a textbook, it seems that you could be instructing that lesson and then cut to your augmented reality app to show a three minute YouTube video uh, that's linked to that image. That is genius and should be the way teachers are teaching now. Yeah, I mean, I see things move in that direction. And I also see other use cases. Imagine, for example, a catalog. If Let's say you owned a catalog. How would you consider moving forward with augmented reality if, for example, your, your team said, we'd be able to increase the revenues in our catalog by 20%, potentially, by having some of these um, some of these uh, augmented reality videos that give the person the information right when they need it, right when they're about to make a buying decision. You were talking about that earlier, about Mm -hmm. how important it is to get the information right when you want it. And you were saying how you would go off to the encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Encyclopedia can be right there. The, The relevant portions of the encyclopedia can be right there in the book showing you these different, these different products that you could potentially buy. 
and and it and it saves time too because even now in, in today's in 2017 you know it's instead of me going to the encyclopedia it's me just going to google and and searching whatever it is so to be able to just hover your phone over it and and get right to whatever you know to the to the product to the uh you know an instruction manual to build a a bed or a, a crib let's go a little bit more complicated than a bed to build a crib that all seems literally I'm seeing so many more. I've never thought so much about augmented reality until today. (laughs) Uh, I see a lot of great uses for it now that you, you kind of bring that to the, uh, to my attention. Uh, Now do you, going back to the world of story, do you see it really going beyond? I think it goes, it's, it goes gangbusters for, for kids, even, you know, as young as three who love what, you know, kind of flipping through books, love watching five minute videos who have short attention spans, you know? Uh, and obviously, uh, in the age range that you have written, uh, Pacha for, uh, seven to 12, what about older? What about young, young adult novels? What about adult novels? I, I, that's where I see it not maybe working out. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my old man brain. I, I'm not sure. Well, I think it depends a lot on whether there's imagery in those books. If there's imagery in the books, then the author feels like there's some benefit to having imagery. Um, and to the extent there's imagery, it means it's, it's, it's ready to be augmented if Someone wants to put in that effort to create the videos, whether they're animation or whether they're live action videos, create those videos that would be associated with the illustrations in that young reader book, um, in that the young adult book. Uh, I would say anything that where there's a benefit to to seeing to to understanding the the visual layout of things could be really useful to to better understanding characters to um, express certain scenes with a lot of emotion in in a in a more rich way so uh, sky is the limit and I, I think that there's definitely some young young adult books that would probably benefit from it but then there's a lot of them that don't have any imagery at all so you know probably not not so much I wonder though if we start seeing the you know the the children's books and and you know maybe textbooks or, or all the other different written material we've talked about. I wonder if the popularity rises enough in augmented reality with those books if it will change the way authors write to implement it. Uh, maybe they'll make room for those illustrations in their in their even their adult novels. Yeah, you know I think that's definitely. A possibility and to the extent that someone does it and it seems like they're getting a competitive advantage then other people are going to say you know what I want this for my book as well and we're hearing this already when we're showing this to authors they're getting excited and saying hmm I can actually see this with my book and I think that it would be it would be helpful for me to go to the market with something like this as well well, I mean, in, in, like I said, in, in 2017, we live in a in a uh, new media world, and you know, people are probably reading books, you know, more and more in, in the e form as adults. But if you, um, I, I could totally see. I mean, Netflix just released, and it's obviously for kids first, but they just released their basically choose your own adventure interactive shows, uh, and. 
you know, uh, that I think is going to go over gangbusters. And I think, you know, um, as a, as me, maybe I'm just a big old nerd, but I'm always looking for like the, Oh, this is a neat thing that I can do. I can read this book and like kind of just as I'm reading it, get more information without having to really leave my seat or go to my computer or go to Google. Uh, I could totally see it working if, uh, if the popularity, uh, is there. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're, you're totally right. And it's, it's going to be something that is going to unfold in the next couple of years, maybe two to three, four years. We're going to, we're going to have a better sense of it. I think also that comic books and graphic novels could be a really interesting play for augmented reality. I think recipe books could be, uh, Oh, that's genius. Yeah. That is, yeah, I mean, that that's probably, out of everything we talked about, that, because uh, I'm the resident cook of the household, so that makes so much sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I, I know we only have a couple of minutes left, so I do want to actually um, get to Pacha. So when, when you decided to um, start uh, writing for, uh, you know, as, as your pet project, as your forefront project, what made you go uh, to th- in this direction? What made you go? Uh, I guess I don't know what, what I don't know what you call seven to twelve year olds. The 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 not quite a young adult kids, older kids, whatever age range that is. What made you decide to go that direction versus say, you know, young kids or even young adult? My my work is really informed by and understanding that we need to make a lot of change on the planet, that we're we're living in a way that's unsustainable. And I I think that my generation hasn't done as good a job as it could in terms of preparing young people for a a future in which we're behaving a little differently. You, You know, we're... We're more cognizant about the things that we use, the resources, and um, and what kind of waste we're creating, and the food that we're eating. I think we're moving in that direction, but we're not quite there. I really wanted to make sure that my work was encouraging kids to remember that we're all connected, that we have everything we need within ourselves, that we can create the world that we want to live in. Pacha was designed to do that. Our book series, every single book in the book series is going to going to really reinforce those notions as well as many other aspects of it. But that that was that, that was a foundation that I thought it would be really helpful if I had got as a kid and I wanted to see, you know, how we could get this information to young people at a much earlier age than I got it. Uh, so Pacha's, uh, let me, let, this is the book entitled Pacha's Pajamas, or is there a little subtitle to that as well? There's a subtitle. It's called Pacha's Pajamas, a story written by nature. And okay. essentially it's the story of a, a young girl named Pacha who has big dreams. Pacha's b- dreams are bigger than the Andes Mountains, which are the homeland of our ancestors. When Pacha goes to sleep, the plants and animals on her pajamas become her guides in a dream adventure to learn more about herself and her connection to the natural world. 
That is super interesting. I, I, I don't know if you did this on purpose, uh, but I kind of, I, I see the augmented link there. The, the, that the, the, the graphics on her pajamas augment into her dreams. Uh, <laughs> I don't, uh, that's, that's, I like that though. That's, uh, and you, you have this plan to be more than just, um, a singular story. You have a whole series plan for Pacha. Yeah. Her next book, she, she's going to have food on her pajamas. So there'll be corn, blueberry, jalapeno, avocado. She's going to go to a world called Foodlandia where everything is made out of food. There's white bread neighborhoods and wheat bread neighborhoods. The emperor Hamburgoni and his minion fries have lanced the cantaloupe sun, which is causing the weather to change and popsicle mountain is melting. Broccoli forest is on fire. Can Pacha and her little brother save the day before breakfast? Oh, you, you, you turned my dream world into a nightmare with, with things starting to melt and set on fire. Foodlandia is my dream. <laughs> that is my dream. That could be, that could be Kev's pajamas story for all, for all I'm concerned. <laughs> nice. I, I, that one sounds super interesting. You know, and that's only because I'm a foodie, not because I don't care about the environment. I just love food more. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it sounds like you guys, and I assume, uh, you're going to be continuing the augmented reality, uh, in, in the whole entire series. Absolutely. Yeah. We're getting such great feedback from it. It makes kids want to read, makes them want to pick up the book. It makes them engage deeper with the book as well. Yeah. I've really, um, when I saw that, uh, in, in some of the messages that you sent me like that, just kind of. Uh, like I said, I've seen it used sparingly, uh, like on the covers for cover, uh, comic books, um, you know, just to bring them to life a little bit. So, uh, and I think, I think I've seen Crayola use it in some of their, um, they have like special augmented reality comic books that you can, you can color and then they come to life. Uh, but other than that, I haven't really seen the technology used too, too often. Again, it might be because my kids are too young for it and I'm too old for it. Uh, but I love it. It seems like a really great idea to, um, keep uh, books in kids' hands, especially, I mean, I remember when I was, uh, you know, probably at least 10 to, to an older, I, I didn't, I put books down. I was too cool for books back then. <laughs> right. Uh, so anything to, I guess, keep it, you know, keep books in kids' hand is just great. And, and, you know, uh, augmented reality sounds like it's a really cool, fascinating way to do it. So I'm excited to see what you and Pacha have in store for the, uh, for us in the years to come. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're excited too. And you know, my vision goes beyond Pacha, but you know, my heart is with Pacha and stick with it. (laughs) Well, uh, when you are ready to talk about anything else, whether it's more Pacha, whether it's beyond Pacha, you let us know. We'd be happy to have you on the show. Uh, before I let you go, please, please, please make my job easier and tell people where they can find you and Pacha. All right. My email, in case you want to give me a, a, a shout, is dave at pachaspajamas.com. That's P-A-C-H-A-S-P-A-J-A-M-A-S.com. Our website, of course, is pachaspajamas.com as well. And we also have a Facebook page for Pacha's Pajamas, an Instagram, and a Twitter. So we love to connect. And we will be sure to put uh, 
all of that in our show notes so that everyone can, uh, if they're too lazy to write it down and remember it, they can just click the link in our show notes. Um, so Dave, thank you once again for being on the show. Uh, and I'm super excited for, for this kind of new technology, new way to read that you've presented to us. Absolutely. Kev It's really great to have this conversation with you and to hear your enthusiasm. Thanks so much. Not a problem. Uh, this has been a, a quick little bonus episode for everything is awesome. We're, we're releasing it a little bit earlier than we normally do during the week here. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you find us this, this uh, podcast. Everything is awesome on Twitter at real awesome pod. You can find me on Twitter at that nerdy Kev. That's where I'm at, do most of my tweeting and twatting. We are part of the core temp arts podcast network. We're on, on coretemparts.com or on awesomepodcast.com for everything is awesome i'm kev we've been awesome all right <laughs> thank you for listening to the Cortem parts podcast network to listen to more Cortem parts shows visit coretemparts.com